Welcome back. You're watching Traders Corner and joining me as always is Garth McKenzie, founder and editor of Traders Corner. Garth, welcome. Hi, Julieta. Garth, it's quite a US-centric show this evening and I know you want to start off with the S&P 500, although you've got a couple of other charts because I think we tend to forget that it's not just the S&P 500 that we should look at. Exactly. In the US, there's a couple of markets, so we're going to look at a few of the others. Um, this is the S&P 500 quickly before we get there. So as we always do, we look at this. Um, what I'd mentioned in previous weeks was the fact that the market has broken this downward trend broken through the upper boundary of this large triangular pattern. Uh, on last week's show, what I alluded to was the fact that this sideways range between 2700 and 2740 had broken to the downside, but then very quickly recovered back mm. into the range. And often when you see a situation like that, where you get a false break out of one side of a range and then a move back up into the range, very often that preempts a powerful break out the opposite end of the range. And that's exactly what we've seen here. So you can see how this market pushed out through the 2740 upper boundary there and now it's moving higher and I said last week on the show that it opens potential to about 2790 2800 that sort of area and we've gotten very close this week so I suspect it's still possible that we go there and then maybe see a little bit of consolidation setting in. What about the other markets, though? Because to some extent, um, the S&P is actually a laggard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And this is where it gets interesting. So this is the Russell 2000. Now, this is a small cap index, um, small and mid cap, let's call it that. Now, I mean, don't get fooled. Uh, you know, a small cap stock uh, in the U.S., a, a stock that's in the Russell 2000 would still possibly make it onto our top 40. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily mean that these are little mom and pop shops. Um, they're still decent sized businesses listed on the Russell 2000. But the point is, and, and the reason I bring this up is that one can make the argument that this is perhaps actually a better reflection of corporate America yeah. as such because you know the S&P 500 contains these big global companies that are, are conducting their business all over the world and huge tech stocks as it's well exactly tech stocks as well so you know whereas the Russell 2000 is more America centric more local and what's interesting to note here is that look at how powerful this chart is it's long since broken out of its own triangle pattern and gone on to new highs I mean back from the early May already it was mm. making new highs. So while the S&P 500 is still languishing, you know, three or four percent below its January high, um, this market has long since gone on to break out to, to new all-time highs and looks still pretty bullish as, as I see it. I mean, and, and what about the NASDAQ? I mean, okay, so uh, I suppose the S&P 500 to some extent reflects the tech stocks, but mm -hmm. obviously the NASDAQ more greatly so. Correct. And actually I mean, that's been doing yeah. fine after the, the wobble it experienced earlier this year. Yes, that's right. So again, the, the NASDAQ also is now busy, you know, very close to making new all-time highs. You can see that it's rallied up. It's retesting those early March highs and sort of bumbling along just below those highs now. But it, overall, it still is looking pretty good. It's certainly looking even more healthy than the S&P 500. So it's just useful to note that these, these other indices in the US are doing pretty well. The S&P 500 has been a little bit of a laggard actually. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the local market in a bit, but um, your, last, uh, your trade last week ties into the general strength in the US markets and yeah. that was a long position in Amazon. Yes, that's right. So we discussed this previously two weeks ago and then last week I did the trade. Um, Amazon.com was looking potentially bullish to me because it was bumping up against this overhead resistance zone at about $1,615 a share. And I said that if it started to break through that overhead resistance, then I would look to buy it. And, and my target was a move to $1,700, which is the, a round figure. Um, 
and it worked out pretty well. We bought it for the portfolio last week. We bought five CFDs, and I had a hard sell order in at $1,700, which is where my target was. And what happened on Wednesday last week is the stock actually gapped up at mm. the open, and it opened at 1705 Now, in a situation like that where the, the opening or the uncrossing price on the open is actually higher, you then get the higher price. So, so extra, yeah, the extra $25 for us, which helps. Um, so we sold out at 17.05, and that was so far looking like a very good sale because the price has come off a little bit since then. I mean, look, overall, this chart still looks pretty bullish to me, but it does appear as if it's beginning to consolidate a bit now. So we took a good profit there, uh, $432 after costs were taken into consideration. Nice. And it was a nice, quick trade that worked off the bat. Yeah. And as you know, those are often the trades that work best for us. Yeah. And it's nice to see a little bit more activity taking place on your yeah. international portfolio as yes, well. Yes, yes. We've, we've actually given it a bit more attention and we're giving it some more attention this week again. Yeah. But before we get there, I know that you actually want to go back to the local markets, which... Well, um, Okay, First. sorry, before you do that, actually, yeah. uh, there is another stock. Um, it was the, the put option, which is essentially a short position on Tesla. Yeah. But that doesn't look like it's worked out uh, to do what you wanted it to. No, no, it hasn't. And I've actually closed it out uh, over the last week. So here's the chart of Tesla. Uh, back in April, I put a, I bought a put option with a strike of $100. Now, I mean, looking back, it was a bit ridiculous. But at that stage, it was looking potentially as if this share price was really going to start to roll over and move aggressively lower. And I thought, let's buy a deep out the money put option because if the price does collapse as I suspected it might have done, that could make us some good money. We bought one put option um, with a $100 strike and I paid $2.81 for that. And because there's 100 shares in every option, it means I paid $281 for that, right? Now, it continued to struggle at the underside of that $310 resistance area, as you can see over there. Uh, but it's slowly but surely been stabilizing mm -hmm. and it actually squeezed higher over the last week. It's broken through that downward trend that I'm putting on the chart there now. And when it broke above $300 a share, I thought, you know what, let's, let's rather just get out of here. Um, I had already accounted for the full $281 premium that I'd paid away on this option. So by selling it, I sold it at $1.58. Um, it means that I actually got some of the premium back, okay. as it were. So, so in, in actual fact, on a week-on-week on a week basis, it's going to show up as a profit for us. Although, in total, um, it did cost us $123 here. And, you know, I can look back at it now and say, well, you know, maybe buying such a deep out-the-money put was a bit silly. But um, at, at the time, I had my reasons for doing it. What, why I can say it maybe was a little bit silly is because I know, and I did always know, that this is the most shorted stock on, in, in, in the U.S. at the moment. And um, whenever you have a situation like that, there's always the potential for a short squeeze that pushes the price higher. And that's exactly what we've seen over the past week here. You can see how this price has really accelerated quickly to the upside. It's trading north of $330 a share now. And I don't have volume on this chart, but if you look at the volume, it's been very, very high. And, uh, and that is an indication of a short squeeze. So whilst I still have my reservations about this company, and I'm, I may very well look to enter another put option from a higher level. Right now, I, I think I'd rather be out of it and uh, get some of that premium back that we paid away. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say the shorts aren't wrong, but it could take time. And, and you have to have patience and deep pockets. Uh, absolutely right. I mean, I still, think, I still think this company's got a, a, a very stressed balance sheet and there's a very 
real possibility that they're going to need to either raise more debt or more equity and I don't know that debt is a viable option for them. So they might need to go back to the equity market. And as I say, for that reason, I suspect it could still be uh, one to buy a put option maybe from higher levels. And I'm definitely keeping my eye on it still. Yeah. Okay. Before we get to this week's trade, which is also an American share, um, the poor old top 40. Yeah. Everyone has been staggering in here over the past couple of days, in fact weeks probably just looking punch drunk from the fact that the market is not going anywhere. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really hard out there. It, it is. It's tough out there. It, locally, it's very, very tough uh, to be a, a stockbroker or a portfolio manager and, and trying to navigate this local market. That's why I'm not giving it an awful lot of attention this week. We're focusing more on the U.S. But yes, we do always look at the top 40, so we're doing it here. This is the June Aussie future. Um, what's significant here is that the 52,500 resistance area has been tested over the last week. And you can see last week, Wednesday, we got a shooting star reversal candle up there, which is that tail, the, the candle with the long tail to the upside. Um, it looks as if there's a rising wedge pattern here now that's begun to roll over and potentially break to the downside. So, you know, it's not exciting and, and it's, it is, it's a difficult market to navigate at the moment. And in addition to the fact that these technicals are looking a little bit lackluster, the volumes in our market are also desperately low at the mm. moment. You know, we're talking about daily volumes that are 30, 40 percent below the average. So it's extremely quiet on the JSE right now. Yeah. Yeah, unsurprisingly. Okay, so this is why we get to throw our net wider, um, as you have been doing in the last couple of weeks. Um, and once again, it's a, an American share called Honeywell, yeah. which kind of at one point, I think 15 years ago, had a bit of a presence in South Africa. I seem to recall it being connected to a stock called Sally's yeah. long time ago. Um, why, do you, why are you looking at this yeah, one? Yeah, it is still, they do still have a presence in South Africa, um, but it's better known in the US. It's a huge multinational industrial uh, engineering conglomerate. And um, what, what interests me here is really the technicals more than anything else. Um, the fact that there's a double bottom that formed between April and May over there and the price has subsequently moved higher. Um, the move above this $150 level, in other words, through that midpoint there, uh, where you can see there's sort of a big W, um, the, the move above that midpoint validates the double bottom and projects a higher target. And it projects up to a move to $160 a share. And interestingly, there is actually a little gap in the chart at $160 from January. So that could potentially be targeted if the stock continues to get going to the upside. What's also evident over the last two weeks or so is that there's a... Uh, bull flag pattern that has formed and it's begun to break to the upside and that also then would project a higher target. So I've gone long this week, I'm, I'm in at $151 per share, the stop loss is $148, so in other words the stop loss would trigger if the bottom of this flag pattern were to be breached to the downside and I'm then looking for a move up to potentially to $160 here. I mean that's quite a tight stop loss isn't it? It is a fairly tight stop loss but also you know if it goes below 148 then it would invalidate this whole technical setup so then I'm happy to concede that I'm wrong in that case and that's why I've set the stop loss where I have. Also making it a bit tighter gives us a better risk to reward ratio when we've got effective three rand risk here with nine three dollars rather and nine dollars upside potential so it's a three to one risk reward payoff which which is good yeah okay well talk us through the mechanics of the trade all right so we long at 151 dollars per share with a stop loss at 148 that means our risk per share is three dollars per share um, I'm risking one percent of our offshore portfolio and we've got one uh, we've got fifteen thousand seven hundred and eighty dollars in our offshore portfolio now so one percent of that is 157 dollars 
Um, so we take the portfolio risk of $157 and we divide it by the risk per share of $3 and it gives us 52.6 shares. So I've rounded it down to, six, uh, to 50 CFDs for our portfolio this week. Um, my target, as I said, is $160, and that means, therefore, that the risk-to-reward ratio on this trade is 1 to 3. Sort of a perfect risk-to-reward ratio. Perfect, if, if it gets if it, there. If it gets there. Absolutely. Um, get the, in the getting there, uh, do you think this might take a bit of time? Because it is quite a stretch, actually, yeah. and if you consider that the high was set in January and it's kind of had to work its way steadily mm. back, yeah. Um, you know, to, to a better level, yeah. it could indicate that this might take a bit of time. It, it very well might take a bit of time. So it, either I'm going to need to be patient here and wait for it, or alternatively, if my analysis is right and there's a lot of other people seeing it the way I'm seeing it, then it could potentially have a bit of a squeeze and push up towards that target. So we'll see. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there, but what I do know is up right now, I think that setup looks relatively bullish. Yeah. So, guys, what do the portfolios look like then, given the activity in the offshore portfolio and I guess the uh, the, the quiet um, yeah. on the local one. Yeah, so local we are the same as last week. We're still up 6.6% okay. for the year to date. No changes there recently. And then our offshore portfolio is where the activity has been. Um, so now we're all of a sudden up five and a quarter percent for the year to date here, given the gain that we made on the Amazon trade and then also the fact that we got some of that premium back on the Tesla puts yeah. as well. So it helps. So suddenly we've kicked up a gear here on the offshore portfolio and things are looking a little bit better for yeah. us. Nice. And then just to end off with, I know you've got a course coming up. Yeah, on the 23rd of June, it's a Saturday high probability trading course. It's a full day on a Saturday. I'm running at a 30% discount on the normal price, so 1,990 Rand per person. Um, anyone that would like to attend this, please email me, goth at traderscorner.co.za, and I'll send you all the information. Great. We have to leave it there. Garth, thanks as always for joining us. Garth McKenzie is, of course, founder and editor of Traders Corner.